Hey guys, this is Selena. And this is Faluke Fiasco. Woo! And we're Woo. back again to talk about Married at First Sight. This time, and Faluke, correct me if I'm wrong, this time we're talking about season 11, episode 11. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk Let's about talk you. About- Oh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> See, that's how I imagined you watching that episode. All that body rolling and snapping. Listen, I, Imani and Woody had enough body roll for all of us. So I felt like I was intruding watching them, truth be told. I know. I know. Me too. I, but if it's like the good kind of intruding, like, it's like, look at that being cute. <laughs> they are so freaking cute. They continue to be the main character of this season. The Beyonce. Um, the Beyonce, if you will. And Amelia and Bennett are in a close second. Although I found it more uncomfortable to watch them. Even though it was sweet, I was like, okay, I gotta kind of look away from the screen. Mm-hmm. And like the rest of them are just trying to keep up. They're all competing for third place. Mm, well, last place. I'd rather you say the third place. Yikes. Well, we know who you're talking about because you said last place and I just assumed you were talking about Karen and Miles because you hate them. Well, this episode, I could be talking about any number, but let's start from the bottom and work our way up. You want to start with Christina and Henry? Okay. So this episode, they were going through their intimacy coaching with Dr. Uh, Viviana, who actually looked very nice these last few episodes. You know, she had like some cute styles going on. I liked some dresses. I think the green one was a highlight for me. But they were going through trust exercises, intimacy exercises, and one of the exercises was when they had blindfolds on and they were talking about very intimate things. Do you remember what this, do you remember this happening? Yes. Christina and Henry doing it was atrocious. <laughs> As most of their exercises are, I believe they ended early. Yeah. Yeah. Like they Henry ended just took early. Off this thing. Yes, because of Christina's comments, when Henry started talking about being a, a chunky kid and still holding on to some of those insecurities, Christina very quickly let him know that he should get over it. Which is like, what kind of monster are you? <laughs> she, My thoughts exactly. She can't get over the fact that she signed up for a television show where they record her. She wants him to get over childhood trauma mm-hmm. in one day, in five seconds. She's really, for someone who asks for a lot of grace, mercy, and understanding, she struggles to give it. And I don't think Henry deserves that. I always want to root for Christina, and then she does stuff like this. It's very disappointing. You know, I've never been fond of Christina, but when she was talking, Obviously, she did say get over it, but she was saying something along the lines of, I want to help you get over it. And I just thought to myself, I definitely hear what she's saying. And maybe in my mind, I might think when someone says something like that to me, get over it. But I just could not imagine saying that out loud to somebody who I even like remotely cared about. And, and the thing is, like, 
I think her heart is in the right place, but her delivery is so poor, so unempathetic that it's like disturbing. Like you have no empathy at all. Yeah. Have you ever struggled with something you were unable to get over that you find is keeping you from fully expressing yourself in relationships? Definitely. I mean, I think that, or I don't know if everybody could, but I could definitely relate to Henry. I wasn't a chubby kid growing up. I wasn't a fat kid growing up, but I was definitely teased. I was definitely considered different. And to this day, I mean, like Christina was saying, you're not that kid anymore. Like you're not the kid that was teased or you're not the big kid anymore, but it's still feels like that sometimes like you you it doesn't really go away from you and so yeah sometimes it's difficult you do have to push forward I know that's part of the reason that I've been in therapy working on you know like self-worth and things like that so it's a process and by no means a quick one that was very well said you're looking for your partner to be understanding or at least try to help you help build a bridge between you so that you can at least meet in the middle Mm -hmm. and where I struggle and where I find it hurtful is that she jumps to judgment Mm -hmm. instead of asking thoughtful questions to have a better understanding Mm -hmm. it's okay for you not to know the exact pain that I experience the exact obstacles that I face But if we are truly a union, they are now yours to to hold, not to completely fix for me, but to to hold alongside me. Mm -hmm. So negative four for Christina. Let me ask you, do you think that she was being mean-spirited? Like, do you think that she was being purposely hurtful? I don't think her intention is to be purposely hurtful. I think she lacks awareness about how she comes off. Mm -hmm. I think she struggles to understand their other opinions other than her own. And she also seems to really value confidence. She said it herself. She said, all the people around me need to be confident. It's something I've worked on, so that needs to be something about the people around me. Mm-hmm. she's basically demanding that all the people in her life be in their final form because not everybody has confidence glowing out of their pores and now that I think about it it's probably she's rejecting him because it's her defense mechanism him admitting his struggles might be taking her back to a place where she had struggles and she's trying to push it away so severely so that she doesn't have to remember herself having similar experiences as he did. Mm. Maybe that's it. I just don't know. It's, it's difficult for me to have, to see the perspective of Christina because she's just so different than who I am. But (laughs) I wanted to get a sense of like what you thought. Did you think that she was being like nasty or did you think that she was like just ignorant? But before we move on from Henry and Christina, if you'll remember, Henry and Bennett had a moment talking about that um, occurrence, that conversation between himself and Christina. 
And I thought that Bennett has some like really affirming words like for Henry, you know, I, I honestly watching that episode and watching Henry and Bennett talk, I was like, Henry and Bennett are able to be more intimate than Henry and Christina, which is shocking. Mm-hmm. And not to not to say that, you know, I saw some love connection Sparks. going on, but it was just a more of a moment where like th- there was like a, a heart to heart connection. There was like an I see you moment that Henry has never been able to have with Christina. Mm. Yeah, I can understand their connection i think it's two humans seeing each other and creating Mm -hmm. safe spaces whereas sometimes henry and christina it doesn't always feel like humanity is present between the two of them Mm -hmm. bennett is also a creative he's a thespian Mm -hmm. and in order to be able to perform and transform into all these different characters he has to understand the human experience and what motivates folks so he may have more capacity for compassion than Christina. Maybe so. But it was Maybe just so. notable to me. I think Bennett said something along the lines of um, just because a person is self-confident doesn't mean that they have no self-doubt. And mm. I was just like, wow, Bennett, Bennett, you need to feed <laughs> some lines to Christina because get over it was not is that the one (laughs) not the one at all so let's move on to amelia and bennett they were going through the same things they were so good viviana said i'm not even gonna go over there they got it under control like i i can imagine what sex is like between amelia and bennett but they just seem so happy and into each other that I have to believe that it's great it's grand I don't want to imagine it I don't (laughs) know what happens it probably involves voices and levels oh no and crevices I don't typically go near Mm -mm. I don't know with them they are very compatible they are seeming to each enjoy each other mentally and physically which I'm very pleased by Mm-hmm. I think I'm off the train where I need to know more about them because they are so deep into each other that it almost feels like their souls are envelopes. And that level of intimacy makes me uncomfortable to observe. I'm very happy for them, but now I'm just like, I, I think it's time to let y'all go. Do you, does that make sense? You don't look I want like to know more sense. about their souls or envelopes. What does that mean? <laughs> I feel like their souls caress each other and they, they have morphed into, I don't know, their soul, one soul envelopes the other mm-hmm. and then they take turns. I don't know. They just get each other so deeply. Yeah. I definitely agree with you. And I thought that I'm like seeing your envelope analogy when they were hugging each other or like holding each other while answering the intimacy questions. And it wasn't like a a casual like, hey, let's just cuddle on the couch thing. No, they were standing face to face, arms wrapped around each other's waist, 
like forehead to forehead, nose to nose, talking like for yeah. a l- extended amount of time. I was like, my God, I don't think I've been that <laughs> pressed up on someone in a longest time. My God. Uh, in a post-corona yeah. world, I was like, y'all are very close, quite close. Y'all are in there. Yeah. I think sometimes those things can be more intimate than entering each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely feel like with Amelia and Bennett, and to some extent Woody and Imani as well, I've seen them out and I begin to understand like, oh, wow, like this feels like I'm intruding. And there, yeah, no one's... That's the word. Yeah, no one's naked, but it feels like I am here like as an interloper like I'm I'm a voyeur of sorts and I have honestly never felt that way before um watching maps so I have to believe that this is like some deep spiritual type of connection because I mean we've seen people you know turn off the lights as they were going to bed and I've never felt bad about that but this episode in particular watching some of these things I'm just like I didn't even be in this shit. Like, they're having a moment. <laughs> Let me see my way out. <laughs> exactly. I'm a TTYL. I felt exactly the way that you felt. And one moment that stood out to me that felt like an enormous display of intimacy where really nothing was happening that we typically associate with intimacy was when Woody was opening up about his father. Mm-hmm. And Amani was just on his shoulder, affirming him mm-hmm. and standing right by him. Ear. Right in his right ear. Right in his ear. That tongue was up in there. Oh, with her God. cute little lipstick color. Yeah. Just direct eye contact with this man. Mm-hmm. Not, not even in his eyeballs, but through his skull. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Through the profile of his face. I mean, when we watch Amani and Woody, maybe they're fantastic actors, but it really feels like the camera is not even there. Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. they're like, "Mm -hmm, go ahead, shoot your little show. Um, We're just going to live our life. Yep, yep. And I think you talked previously about they've done the work to prepare for this relationship. And it shows. It shows in Woody's openness. It shows in Amani's effortless companionship compassion comfort she just they really are something in every way and he her i can't even i can't even say it's an imani thing he uh in turn is able to be open in a way that i, I don't think that we've really seen black men be able to be open like in a long time on tv like it just when you look at their relationship it's just so affirming even for me outside of the relationship it's just like yes they're here we're feeling it yep definitely and it made me think about not i know we're all i loved how you said earlier maths we're all here to talk about maths and married at first sight and reality tv show but it really broke my heart a little bit when woody talked about knowing his father before his father was incarcerated and then wanting to re-meet and rekindle the relationship only to find a completely different man on the other side of his experience. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, 
we say that prisons are supposed to rehabilitate people and our corrective punishment is a corrective punishment that but they don't at all prepare people to re-enter into the world whether it's to get a job or whether it's to feel ready able adaptable to what's happening around you or even rejoin the existing networks your family your friends your community after you left and so your whole life ends up being robbed from you even if you only served a 5 10 15 year sentence and i thought that it was especially thoughtful and aware of woody to note that and on his father's side his father came home to a son that was like 16 who have who had gotten so many lessons that his father wanted to give to him, who had learned so many things that his father wanted to teach him. And there was nothing that he could really do about it. Obviously, Woody wasn't going to stunt his growth waiting for his dad. And life moved on in every imagination, every imagining of the word. And to hear Woody struggle with someone who so obviously didn't want life to move on or who missed that it's just so sad on both sides and i think that woody would it was really nice to hear him be sympathetic to his dad but still that's the end of that like we can't we can't move forward because he can't move forward absolutely and now with woody wanting to be a father Mm -hmm. that he has expressed is one of his primary objectives in the next five years is to have a little woodlet. I literally wrote down in my notes, Woody is trying to have that baby tonight, tomorrow, (laughs) whenever. Absolutely. And he still has things left to learn. You don't stop learning at 12 or 16 or what have you. And I'm so glad that he has two of Amani's fathers to go to when he when he's uh learning these new lessons mm-hmm. of fatherhood of partnership mm-hmm. although he's doing a fairly good job so far let me look at the other things that i wrote about them let's see oh you know what line like really hit my heart they were talking about what their turn-ons were and Imani said, she was talking about the tacos or whatever, and you put cheese on my taco and the blah, blah, blah. But the part that really hit my heart was my husband knows what I like. Like, yes. So yes. So many yes. That is such <laughs> a turn on to know that someone knows you and what I want without me having to say it. Oh, God. Yes. I think she said... She was like, and then you put the sauce on my taco, and you don't like the sauce on your taco. <laughs> exactly. It was just like, girl, that's for you all. Please stop talking. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Nobody sometimes it's like they're talking their own. Their banter is on it. It has its own beat, its own candor. And oftentimes, that's what love looks like. It's not yeah. always flowers and cards, although some people are lucky enough to get those things. Ooh. But it's <laughs> it's a personalized, curated act like list of actions. It's not even a list. I, I don't know. It's uh, it's putting it's putting the sauce on the taco. 
it's putting the seat down after you're finished. Mm -hmm. It's making the bed so that it's one less thing that she has to worry about. It's just being thoughtful. I think all romance comes down to is thoughtfulness and knowing that someone is consciously and intentionally trying to make you smile. That's love. That's love. That's love. And I think to your point, when you said like, and that's what love looks like, that brought me to my mind like, and that's what love sounds like. So it, that does not make sense. You put the sauce on my breakfast taco. <laughs> that don't make sense to me. That don't make sense to you. But it makes complete sense to Woody and Amani. And that who those two are the ones who are supposed to receive it. Like, it's so beautiful. Like, it's almost like its own language, its own cadence, rhythm, all of that. Like, they're just on their own. And we're just... We don't need to get it. We're not supposed to get it. If we get it, cool. If you don't, it wasn't for you. Amen. Mm-hmm. That's it right there. That is it right there. That's how I feel about the whole season. I think I said this last week, but that I I don't see my soulmate on this show. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't see your soulmate on this show necessarily, although for some reason you think you could get with Miles. And He's that's fine. what's spectacular about it. He's all mm-hmm. right. That's what's spectacular about it. It's like, it's not for you. It's for them. And that's what makes me believe in the science of it all. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk a little bit with regards to Woody and Imani. <laughs> Do you remember when, when first, before I get into that, do you remember when Ebony was talking about uh, she wants to get a dog and Woody and Woody said, well, it's going to bark. And Imani was like, you spray it with some water. <laughs> And Woody was like, what if I sprayed you with some water? Oh, my God. That was so funny. Like, that whole conversation cracked me out. What's wrong with them? They're so funny. They're just so stupid. That was so funny. But anyways, getting to the crux of the matter. We were taught, we had highlighted this a little bit, but I wanted to hit on it a little bit more. I love that Woody in particular um, and Miles to some degree when he can, when Karen allows him, talks about the fact that um, he's been through counseling, made sure that he had counseling in order to be here and, and be the partner that he wants to be to Amani. How much do you think that like that portion like affects their relationship? And what are your thoughts on like Black men in counseling? Have you seen like uh, people, black men wanting to be in counseling more? Is it still kind of taboo? Like, what, what do you think about that? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a very good question. In my experiences with black men, and I, I encounter a wide range of types of black men. So I mean a wide range in education, in income, in immigration status, etc., mm-hmm. the majority of black men still reject the notion that they are that they are the prime candidates for therapy. They mm-hmm. reject mental health services, and I'm not really sure why. 
I'm not sure if it's passed down from generation to generation. And it's one of those things like you say it and you don't even know why you feel it. For instance, I don't trust black Republicans. I don't even know why I don't trust black Republicans, but it's something that I say and it's something that I believe. Mm-hmm. But then I meet a black Republican and I'm like, I guess I can evaluate you on an individual basis. But um, no, I won't. Yeah. <laughs> but no. <laughs> But (laughs) yeah, so I don't know. I've had some, it's been a hard year for a lot of people. Quarantine has been challenging for folks. Black, when you're black in America, half your family are essential workers on the front line. The other half of your family might be passing away or experiencing employment issues. We know that there are large disparities in our nation that are only exasperated by COVID and the lockdown. And they're primarily affecting black and brown folks. So this is a time to really lean into therapy. I know that I've upped my occurrence on the series of my appointments and take very specific set out time to work on me because you have to have a solid foundation in order to become secure and to arm that's the word arm yourself for the foolishness that is coming your way which is 2020 Mm -hmm. i have asked many a black man to join me in a healing circle or asked about their plan for mental wellness and healing and it always seems to be a rather avoidant and or resistant conversation that being said i've also found men who are totally into therapy and are taking action it just seems like they are in the minority i don't know if i agree with you or not not to say that i've seen black men like wholeheartedly get into the therapy train But I can say that I don't have many close male friends. I don't engage with men very often. um, White men, black men, Hispanic men, any men, because I am more of a girl's girl. I don't get guys on a very fundamental level. So there's that. But from what I'm seeing, and this might just be Twitter talk, but I'm seeing more and more men on my feed, um, men that maybe are adjacent to my life, if not in it, talking about having an interest in getting to know themselves, getting to work on themselves, getting to heal on themselves. And I don't know if that is translating into actually going to do the work, but it's exciting to me because two, three, four, five years ago, the, it wasn't it wasn't even something that there was an interest in. There wasn't even conversation bubbling around this topic. And so I have to believe that, okay, we've gone from zero interest to maybe a nominal interest. Maybe you just wanna talk about it, but maybe we are moving towards a more active and earnest interest that will lead to work. I think that you made a really great point, Faluke. Like now more than ever, people are noticing the the cracks in their armor. People are noticing the nicks on their foundation. And I hope to goodness people, instead of just noticing them, are looking to fix them. Because I do believe that after we're done with COVID, we're going to be entering a new world order. And I'm hopeful 
that we as as black people as brown people as people of color will be ready and prepared to enter into that new world order closer to healed than we've been in the past and i mean like you were saying this is it it has nothing to do with who you are as a person why you are unhealed as people of color so much has been thrown at us through generations and, and stacked up against us through generations that it's no question that we are the prime, the perfect subject for therapy. Like we not only do we have issues that are personal, I'm sure that we have issues that are baked into the fabric of our DNA at this point. And it would be so wonderful to see us come out of COVID looking to heal and looking to stay healed. And so I'm excited to see the fact that um, more and more Black men are willing to have these conversations. More and more Black men are willing to um, even consider it, not even go in and find themselves a therapist, but even think about maybe one day doing that, or even consider the fact that they, oh, I actually do need help. Like, this is actually not cool what I'm doing or the way that I think is not reasonable or logical or fair or equitable. So I'm excited for that. And he hearing Woody talk about it and hearing Miles talk about it, it makes me think that this might be a nationwide thing. This might not just be on my little timeline from the DMV area. This might be something that is like taking root and it's exciting. Absolutely. <clears throat> and you said it perfectly. In fact, I love when you said that we're entering into a new world order. Nothing has been straightforward this year and folks are writing the new rules. I appreciate so much that Woody is speaking about his experiences and what he does to seek help. I appreciate that Miles on this national platform is talking about his mental wellness. These are the things that are going to allow people to have more open conversations because they're not being painted as woe is me, weak black men, non-aspirational characters. They're able to thrive in their relationships. They're able to thrive in their workplaces and they're able to thrive personally. And so we only know these, these, ideas about them, one, because they choose to disclose them, and two, we realize it doesn't make them all of who they are, and that leads to, as Twitter likes to say, the normalization, normalize mm -hmm. these things. Black men, to me, seem to be the most susceptible to groupthink. Mm -hmm. Like, black men often prioritize and value the thoughts of their friends. Mm -hmm. or their boys and what their boys think. And so if more of your boys come to the yard, sit on the couch, <laughs> mm -hmm. drink the water and learn more about what makes them tick and how they can make safe spaces for themselves in the future, then it'll permeate throughout the community, I hope. Also a point that I wanted to make, which I think prevents a lot of people from going to therapy is they think going to therapy means that you're admitting that something is wrong with you. What I like to think of it as, and maybe I got it from Twitter, I got it from someone much smarter than me, was it's just like going to another doctor's appointment. 
-hmm. you get your checkups at the doctor and they say, okay, you're all in good shape or you're not all in good shape. And then when something comes up, you go there too and they prescribe you with something or they're able to help you get through it. If you're going through something more chronic, perhaps you schedule more appointments with greater frequency and that's what it is. Getting help does not make you weak and that needs to be something loudly announced, pronounced within the black community too long. We're like, you have to pray it away, go to church. Those things are valuable, but they are not the only things that are going to help you push through. Sometimes you need a multi-pronged approach to what makes your life whole and healthy. Absolutely. I can't say it better. Multi-pronged. And speaking of multiple prongs, let's get into Karen, Miles, and their multi-pronged approach to intimacy that they've established this episode. So what did you think about Viviana's um, suggestion to take sex off the table in order to enable um, the kissing intimacy, the hand-holding, the hugging, all the other stuff that is maybe like two steps away from sex or one step away from sex? Or four. Or ten. Um, Because I I think hand-holding is not that close. (laughs) I don't know where the hand is going after words and how y'all do it, but no. Um, I actually thought it was a very good suggestion. I really enjoyed the suggestion. I don't think Miles enjoyed the suggestion. But when you take intercourse off the table, then you don't have to worry so much about where it's ending and what you're, where what messaging, yes, where it's bleeding. It feels like sometimes you're unable to enjoy yourself because you're so concerned about creating boundaries and putting up stop signs so that you don't go too far. It's kind of like those girls in high school who are like, I'm not going to have sex until I'm married. But those are the girls sometimes who are doing the most mm-hmm. when it comes to their sexual exploration because they know exactly what they won't do, but they want to go all the way up until they get to it. Mm-hmm. I think this will be good for Karen and Miles. And I also think they might break it before the season is over because they'll get carried away. I don't know. Um, I'm not a Karen fan. I'm sure people, whoever that's listening knows that by now. But I thought that the central boundary that Viviana suggested was a good idea for Karen because she is just so close, so tight like a like a a balloon knot like you are just close to the idea of anything and I think that what Viviana was saying um as you said Faluke is come on like let's put our foot in our the water let's put our leg in the water let's put our whole lower body in the water like let's just slowly step there until our whole body plunges in Whereas Karen was just like holding tightly to the dock, like not not stepping an inch into the water at all. And it was just, it's just so upsetting. And personally, I think if I can make a prediction, this, if Karen, I had to say it this crassly, but if Karen doesn't um, release some control or 
not necessarily puts out, but if she does not allow herself to get intimate with her husband, then this is going to be another Iris situation from North Carolina where the husband clearly likes the wife, but he has no uh, conception of if she's able to give him the intimacy that he needs. That he craves. Yes, I agree. I thought of a good analogy while you were talking. Yes. Maybe it's a metaphor. All these literary techniques. So if you look at a pool or an ocean and you don't know how deep it is, you're probably not going to get in because you don't want to drown. But if someone says the deepest end is four foot, you go, oh, okay, I'll get in because I know I can stand. That is what Dr. Viviana has done for their relationship. Karen didn't want to get started because she didn't want to know if she couldn't stop it. But now that she knows that there's the boundary, she's willing to, as you said, put a foot in, a toe, a bottom half, a bosom into the water. And oftentimes for men, but not only just men, but it does seem to have a pattern with men, they do tend to communicate love and receive love in the form of physical touch. And so if you're not touching him, you could be telling him he's great. You could be serving him every day, which she's not really doing. You could be spending quality time with him, but if you're not communicating with him in the way that he needs to receive love, then you're right. It will only lead to questions and resentment. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I don't even know what to do with Karen anymore because it just seems that she's so against this entire enterprise. It's like, who, who told you you had to come here? Who told you you had to do any of these things? You don't. Let me be the first to tell you, you don't have to stay. You don't have to sleep with him. You don't have to do anything. You could just leave. You volunteered. That's the beauty of volunteering. You can stop at any point. So, I don't know. I, th- I think she's enjoying the relationship. And I think we're going to start to see her open up and hopefully they kiss more and all of that other stuff. Um, I was proud of Miles for speaking his mind though, because he said what we, we guessed, which was he doesn't know which way to go with her and what to do and what's acceptable. And that was a great sign of him standing in his truth. He's oftentimes so which is one of his greatest characteristics, generous and gentle spirited and doesn't want to upset Karen. But he was like, look, <laughs> this is how I feel. Let's get this done, Dr. Viviana. I don't think he got the answer he was hoping for. Mm-mm. But I see positive things in their future. I don't, but to each their own. Um, what do you think? I, it's very hard for me to not judge Karen, so I'm going to ask you. How do you feel about Karen's um, modesty is the nice way of putting it. Prudishness is the mean way of putting it. When talking about sex and citing, you know, more parents might be watching, so on and so forth. How do you feel about that? Okay. I think that's a common phrase that people use. It's like, my parents might be watching, which is a factor. Um, Also, if I was a parent and my child went on a show like this, I would not watch. 
because yeah. I don't want to have too much information. If you're my child and you're just dating some Joe Schmo off the street, I don't know how you met. I don't know all the, the little squabbles that you had and how you evolved in your relationship. I know him as you bring him to me. And I would not like to have more information than is necessary, especially when I cannot impact your decisions. That being said, I also probably, if I was on a show like this, would not feel comfortable sharing without a glass of wine or two. I feel very uncomfortable speaking on topics like this. I felt uncomfortable watching this episode, and it wouldn't just be because the cameras were there. I feel uncomfortable having those conversations in real life with a potential partner. So I get it. The, the parents thing is a little bit of a cop-out. Also, your parents made you, so they know how these things work. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I have Personally, no other than that. I'm not sure why I ended that way. What do you think? I think that I agree with you that it's a cop-out. And furthermore, first, I, I don't have this issue. I love talking about sex. Um, I love having sex, fair enough to say. Um, I can talk about sex to my mom, can't talk about it to my dad. I feel like that would be a lot, but I don't, once, like you, I don't believe that my dad would watch a show like this if I was on it for that exact reason. I don't think that he would want to hear about it. I don't think he'd want to know about it or almost hear about it or anything. Furthermore, I don't, th even if he did watch it, I don't think that he would have a problem if I was talking about sex with my husband. If I was talking about mm. sex with some guy that I met in the club, I know for a fact he'd be upset. If I'm talking about sex with my husband, I have to believe that he, know he knows that's a part of the deal. Like when I said, I'm going to marry this man, you had there had to be some understanding maybe not the first day that we're married but eventually we are going to be having sex because if nothing else you want grandkids right and like you said Faluke, that's how that thing works like so i just i just truly don't understand the whole my parents might be listening your parents have already said they have an issue with married at first sight so you talking about sex is not like is a drop in the bucket. It's all a part of it. If you were so concerned about your parents' perception of you or your now husband, then you would not have done this. So yeah, I just feel like it, it's a cop out, a poor one at that. Um, and and parents obviously understand. We're married. We're husband and wife. If if who else is supposed to have sex but husband and wife in the most biblical sense this is the time now is the time to talk about sex let's talk about sex baby okay let's circle back though to you talking to your mother about coitus how does that go i mean i don't I, we don't get into the nitty-gritty but um <laughs> what's your mom's favorite position go <laughs> <laughs> You're out of control for real, but I feel like we're. I feel like our relationship has evolved to the point um, 
when I first started having sex, um, she was adamant about letting her know the very first time. So the very first time it did happen, I called her like the next day. So she knew immediately. Um, we will talk like kind of in general terms about like, I don't even know how to say it. Like, I think that she has a full understanding that I'm having sex. Sometimes we talk about it loosely. It's difficult to explain. Not it's loosely, much Lord. To explain like you can't use the yeah, word loosely. Like loosely. I wouldn't say. You know, we're not you, deep, deep, deep. You know, like Jeez. everything. Deep, deep, deep. Are you deep, listening to the deep. words you're using? I mean, honestly, it's just not. We we just we definitely like. I don't know what word wouldn't be sexual at this point. Glaze over it, like, lightly. Like, we just, I don't know. Uh, how, what is the last conversation? Why don't you give an example of something that you and your mom have discussed? Okay. Since she's listening right now, obviously. Boy, oh boy. Okay, so we have talked. Um, Okay, so we, last Christmas, um, my boyfriend came with me down to our home in North Carolina. He's not from North Carolina. I'm not from North Carolina. So we knew we would have to stay in my parents' home in North Carolina. And up until that point, um, no boy had ever been allowed to stay at my home, like, with me, obviously, and them. Um, but so we were talking at that time, and she was like, yeah, I mean, I really would like for you guys to, like, be in separate rooms. Like, I know that you guys probably have, you know, you guys are probably having sex, but I would prefer that it not happen um, in my room, like, in my home. And I was like, okay, but, like, so if you don't want it to happen in your home, that's cool. Why aren't we able to sleep in the same bedroom with the understanding that we just won't have sex because the idea is like even if he slept in a different bedroom like we could hit a quickie you know like we could like in the middle of the day I could <laughs> run into his room or he could run into my room or anything like you know just because we're not sleeping together doesn't mean that we wouldn't be having sex if that's what we wanted to do and so that wasn't a good thing. I had to reconvince her to let him come at all. But once I did. Um, yeah, well, when you tell your mom, look, look I could run in there. He could run in here. We could hit it in the kitchen. <laughs> I, I was just trying to I make a point like, that, you know, so like. It's, canceling. <laughs> what'd you say? What'd you say? I said, I would have been like canceled. Send him back. <laughs> you can't hear me? denied i can hear you i can hear you but i was just denied okay denied but i was just thinking that you know (laughs) like i was trying to make a point like it if you're if the problem is sex then i could sleep in the same bedroom as him and just say that we're not going to have sex you know like that would be fine but either way so those are the type of conversations that we have so that's beautiful um I have not embarked on that particular journey with my parents. I believe in their minds, I am 
not only am I abstinent, but I am asexual. I have no interest in being touched or touching anyone else. And even then, it's not something that we discuss ever. I don't think I've ever had a conversation with either of my parents about physical contact of the romantic sorts. I think my dad is very similar. I don't think he thinks that I'm asexual. I think that we have just gotten to a place where we can talk about like boys at all that I'm dating. So I think he has a a sense that, ah, like she hangs out with boys, she likes boys, but I believe in my heart of hearts. I don't think that he thinks that I'm a virgin, but I think that he, would not like for me to confirm like I think that the fact that I have never said it (laughs) he has never said it I think that he is like working some very fine logic here like if we just don't talk about it it won't be true so I don't think he spends a lot of time on it to be honest (laughs) exactly well how would you feel if he heard this podcast Mm, mm -mm. I don't think he I don't think he would if he did that would be super embarrassing. Because like I said, I don't talk to him about sex. He doesn't talk to me about sex. So he has no insight into, you know, what I like, what I don't like. Keep it, keep it all. Well, let's keep it that way, daddy. Yeah, Yeah. but I will other daddies shout out. Exactly. But I will say that if I got married, I don't think I would talk to him about sex, but I think that the cat would be out of the bag in terms of, like, yeah. No pun intended. Exactly. So, yeah, I think that it's kind of... I mean, that's why for me... And now I'm derailing from the heart of the conversation. But for me, that's like the thought of marriage is really stress-inducing, nerve-wracking. Because the idea that I'm going to hold a, a person's hand and profess my love to them in front of what? My family? Mm-hmm. No, ma'am. And then we're going to what? Kiss in front of them? Yeah. No, ma'am. I was a musical theater geek, as some may assume. <laughs> and I had a musical theater director who loved to put kisses in shows and musicals that did not have kisses. Mm-hmm. And I was terrified that she was going to do it to me. And lo and behold, my junior year, she added in a kiss at the end of our play. It did not require a kiss. Nobody was looking for a kiss. I'm not about it. I don't want it. I didn't have the heart to tell my parents that there was a kiss in the show. Mm-mm. So my father came and he brought his brother Mm-mm. and he brought, you know, my cousins. Mm-mm. And the entire show goes by. The, the kiss is coming. I get so nervous. I forget my line. I just kissed this man. And all you, and suddenly the theater goes black and all you hear is, what? And I said, oh, Lord. And that's how my father found out that I had kissed a boy because he saw me do it on stage. Oh, my God. Like, like, that's enough for me. You said, your father said, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And like a silent theater silent high school theater and the worst part was the line that I was supposed to say was supposed to cue a girl 
to come out to interrupt the kiss. So she knew that when I said the line, she would count to three and then she was supposed to come out, but I never said the line. So she never came out. And that was her only role in the play was that she came out and was like, oh, it's me, Helga. And then it was supposed to end. So she never got to be seen by her family. <laughs> Whoops. Mm. That's you know, the things that keep me up at night. No, I definitely get that. That would make me upset too. But what is making me upset is that your father screamed in the middle <laughs> of that theater. Well, you know, with a strong Jamaican accent on it too. I said, there's, there's no question in the middle of a predominantly white county whose father that was. Well, what did he say after? Why? Did he just ignore it or what? Um, I think there was possibly one passive-aggressive comment that was made on the drive home or when we got food <laughs> afterwards, but it was never directly addressed, no. Mm -mm. I do remember that the guy that I had to kiss, like, contacted me in high school before the kiss, because you didn't rehearse with the kisses until, a like, a couple rehearsals before the actual thing. And so right before we started the kiss rehearsals, he's like, hey, you want to practice? I said, not particularly, no. Will you be purchasing McDonald's? <laughs> so, yeah. But then I remember he was like, I didn't want to go. And then he was like, oh, no, another guy from the theater is going to be there. I said, okay, if it's three of us there, it's not as weird as you and I getting together to practice kissing. So we went to a lake at night and we, we practiced so by practice, did y'all practice like kiss and separate or did y'all just practice smushed lips or did y'all practice like slightly open lip or what? Oh Lord, these I hand motions. I want to know it all. Um, uh, obviously it was not memorable. I think we just did a kiss and separate, but we wanted to kind of coordinate our heads tilting mm -hmm. and we wanted to coordinate the placement of the lips which I had a lot more lip than him so it I basically looked like I was eating him um I'm also rather short so figuring out what was the proper angle by which he needed to come in yeah decline uh yeah. And I think we just kind of practiced on and off. It wasn't a moment. We didn't make it romantic. It was just like, okay, let's, let's pop one off and then pause. And then maybe before we leave, okay, let's do another. That was it. I, I don't want to say his name, but he had very rosy pink cheeks. That's what I remember about him. Also, I don't think I over romanticized it because if anybody listening was in musical theater, you know that the guys in musical theater always got around because there were so few of them. And so I knew that he had dated so many of the girls in the program. So there was no part of me that was attracted to him. That's good on you. Like, I feel like my high school self would have been like, that's my husband. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, what's wrong with you? So yeah, that that's was my husband. Yes, that was the teenager I was. So, <laughs> well. Two sides of a different coin, I see. No, yeah. no. Very good. What else happened in the episode? 
Okay, so going back to Miles and Karen, we did. I did notice that they were able to like be playful with each other and be a little light with each other during the workout sesh that they did. But I wanted to get your opinion on that. From my perspective, it seems like they were friendly, playful, mm. like they were in the friend zone, playful, not like I'm flirtatious, playful. What did you think? I thought the exact same thing. I thought it was friend zone city. Mm-hmm. I also forgot that the, that was this episode. Mm-hmm. I thought it just kind of was filler activity, filler footage. I didn't really get anything from it. I also think the edit made it look like Miles was constantly behind Karen, whereas they didn't really show Karen getting it in at any yeah. point in time. Yeah. Um... I also was personally triggered triggered by Miles asking the trainer how many more do I have left and her saying don't, don't worry, worry about, about it. it. <laughs> I hate a trainer that's on there don't worry about it. Tell me exactly the number you need for me and I will get to that number. Do not ask me to do this to infinity and beyond. Mhm. No, I completely agree. I hate a don't worry about it. That is the quickest way to get me to stop. Like, okay, (laughs) I will not worry about it. Lay out flat. (laughs) Yeah. Overall, I thought the workout session was a little bit of a snooze fest. Uh, as I think about Karen, so (laughs) we're on the same wave there. Last thing I wanted to hit on Karen before we head on over to Brett and Oliviaville is, um, I really disliked when they were um, in with Viviana and Karen was saying something to the effect of, uh, it's not that I don't want to be affectionate or intimate. It's just that when I feel that way, it happens. And I just want someone to know that I feel that way. Like, I don't want to have to tell you. I don't want to anything. Like, I just want you to know. And I thought that that was especially heinous for her to say because Miles last episode tried to just know and he got run over the coals because it wasn't the right time and I think that it's really messed up for Karen to force Miles to try to actively figure it out like I I think that's so manipulative and mean-spirited to someone that you know is so willing to try to um work with you so generous as you said it Luke. I love that you called it heinous it was that is intense <laughs> hatred of her actions well my thing just fell off um I can see where you're coming from but I also very much get Karen I get it when she's like, I don't want to have to say, I get it when she says, I don't want to have to say that I am in the mood for you to realize I'm in the mood, which comes from knowing each other better. Also for folks who are a little more timid in their sexual prowess, it's hard to articulate it all the time because once you articulate it, now you've mixed your hot and heavy feelings with your shame feelings that you feel towards intercourse as opposed to if it just happens it happens yeah but what I'm thinking is I can understand that maybe I don't want to like 
enunciate like I feel like getting fucked you know like I don't maybe don't want to say that but kiss him on the mouth get it started you know like you know like I you don't have to you don't have to turn into a porn star but like kiss him jeez I can't breathe. <laughs> Good lord. I mean, you don't said. have to do all of that, but I mean, because when I think of like shame with sex, that's what I think of. Like, you just went far, far, far left. Not like, you know, a hand on the thigh, not a kiss on the neck, not a, a hundred. Like, there are so many steps before you get to that raunchiness. Wow, you need to write a book. That was a lot of options. That was two options. I, I know, but they were new to me. Um, no, I'm playing, but also maybe not. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm not an initiator, and that has, I've been informed that that's not great. Um, that everybody likes to sometimes become on to. Everybody wants to feel, you know, like, oh, I'm arousing them, you know, like they could hardly control themselves. It, it's exciting for everyone. So I know I struggle also with initiating, but it just doesn't, like I said, it does not have to be some crass. Uh, star. Yeah, you know, like it, it can be just acting on those feelings. If I'm feeling, you know, very loving towards you doing those things that maybe I'm thinking about in my head and leading like that. It what works. else? Let's pick that. Okay. Olivia so, and um Brett. Yes. Okay. So obviously don't like Brett. But I'm starting to wonder, should I not like Olivia? What do you think? I don't think about Olivia. I find her very bland. I can't really remember their session together, to be honest. Is this the episode where he called her insecure? It's like, geez, how insecure are you? This is that episode, yes, but also that was like towards the end of the episode. At the beginning, they met with Viviana. Um, they were talking about the fact that Olivia doesn't like the physical affection and that Brett would, you know, like to touch her more and Olivia's not with that shit. To that point, I'm wondering if the bad behavior that we're seeing from Brett is him acting up or having a tantrum because he's feeling neglected. He said several times during the episode, you know, I would love to cuddle with her. I would love to touch her. He's a touchy person, yeah. as men are. And Olivia um, was a little icy towards him, which is understandable because he's not the easiest personality to get along with. But I was just wondering to myself, maybe um, I should give Brett some grace. Mm -hmm. He is really like acting out because he want you know, he's a little boy having a little temper tantrum moment. He is terrible. He's a nightmare. He... I couldn't get it up for him because his personality is so terrible. I wouldn't even want to have the conversation about it. I wouldn't even want to do him the honor of knowing that I have those capabilities. He he I he, he gets under my skin more and more every day. So what did he do that really bugged you? The insecure comment? That and he just never seems to answer a straightforward question. Mm -hmm. He gets joy out of being 
a dickhead. Douchebag. No, no shade. No, no tea. I'm not trying to be malicious, but good lord. Yeah, he definitely like finds pleasure in making things difficult for people, being obtuse, being um, irreverent, and there's a time and place for everything, and not all the time, not all the places. So um, to that point, I did want to talk a little bit about the face when they were um, sitting down talking when he calls her insecure she says that he makes a, a sarcastic face and i do think that he is being a little bit um condescending towards her like it seems like he looks down his nose at her a lot have you noticed that absolutely um not just her but the entire world mm -hmm. but at the same time he still finds that he's still at the same time, he seems to still have a sexual attraction to her, which I don't, I don't mean to be heteronormative or limited, but I would like to see if there's a correlation or some type of pattern behavior. It seems like men very easily can look down on a woman and still want to be with her, especially physically. As a woman, I can't look down on a man and still want to be with him. Mm -hmm. If I don't respect you, we have nothing. Mm -hmm. No, I completely agree. I don't think that it is possible for me. Sometimes the way that Brett looks at Olivia, if I looked at a man that way, that means I do not want you in my presence at all. Like, I don't want for you near me. Certainly don't want you in my bed. Certainly don't want your hands on me. Like, I am completely uninterested. And so it's really, it is shocking to see that despite having these feelings of, um, I don't know, he feels like he's better than her or above her, he still wants to engage with her. I don't get it. I hope they don't have sex, to be honest, because I would feel sad for her. I don't think they're going to end up together. I don't think he's call me old-fashioned. I don't think he's worth a body. I don't think he's worth being able to say, well, I quote-unquote had my wife because even though it's an old-fashioned term and it's fairly misogynistic, I wouldn't put it above him to this brag is. about being with her or to say something crass about her body or what have you. He just seems terrible. And I know we've talked a lot, talked a lot about attraction and who's coming on to who and all these other things, but top priority for me when it comes to who is allowed access to the temple that is my body is trust. Mm -hmm. it, at the end of the day, I must trust you because you are entering my most private vessel. Mm -hmm. You're seeing me in a way that a large, large, large percentage of the population never will ever get to see me in this light. I am a very private person. So I don't want my business all up and down the coast and the headlines on the tweets with your boys. I need to trust that if I say no, even if we've been together or not been together, that's going to be respected. You will respect my need for protection and security, whether it comes in condom form or in speed or whatever. We need to have communication and dialogue that says, I can trust you not to violate me and dehumanize me maybe that's too much 
I think it's spot on, especially with um, a Brad's treatment of Olivia's friends. I think that that, for me, would have been the final um, blow. However, I think for Olivia, once Brett said that insecure comment to her, I'd think that that was the nail in the coffin in their marriage and their relationship. I don't think that the, he'll ever be able to br bring Olivia back into the fold from that. They're over. Cut them off. Let them out of their contract. I don't want to see or hear from them again. Honestly, they're painful to my soul. I feel like I'm going to have PTSD from having to interact with Brett this often via the television. Completely agree. And it's interesting looking forward a little bit. The next episode, um, they're going to go into quarantine. So I do think that under quarantine, under the strain of quarantine, that marriage is going to completely crumble. I could absolutely see Olivia or Brett heading back to their own homes like within a month. So it's a countdown. So <laughs> I wonder if they'll have an option to leave when quarantine comes. Well, they'll have an option to go to their own homes. Hmm. Because no one else is in them. Right. Yeah. But once again, next episode, episode 12 and on, they're going to start entering the quarantine. They'll begin to be in life as we all know it now. And so I will be interested to see how the wonderful couples handle it, Amelia Bennett, Woody Imani. I wonder if they're going to get on each other's nerves. I wonder how um, the not-so-wonderful couples are going to handle it. Uh, I'm, I'm just very excited to see everyone in quarantine because it's such a unique position, and I've seen it tear apart relationships. I've seen it bring people closer together. Um, so it's a toss-up. Who knows? I know. Isn't that so interesting? I've talked to so many couples over quarantine and they're either getting engaged, married, or pregnant, never love their partner more, or they haven't touched each other in seven months and want to kill their partner. Mm -hmm. No in between. So let's do a quick um, prediction. Who is going to be super in love during quarantine and who is going to be, get me the fuck out of here in quarantine? What are your thoughts? Well, we know Christina and Henry will not make it. Christina will complain all day about the life that she used to have, all the activities she misses, the friends the we don't see. Yes. Yes. And she'll be like, you just don't get it because I actually, I've, I've done this before. I've, I've lived pumpkin before. And you've never been anywhere and you don't even have a fucking passport. So, right. and don't you dare pick up a role because you know you used to be fat. Get over it. Like that's the level uh, of just nonsense we can expect from her because, you know, it, quarantine can bring out your best self or your worst. And I have a feeling that it was not made for her. Mm-mm. Amani and Woody are going to continue their banter. It just seems like they are unfazed by basically anything. I also think quarantine is going to push them to get that dog that they talked about. Probably. Uh, that because that's probably. Uh, probably that baby. <laughs> um, although there is an after show for Married at First Sight. I forget what it's called, but she hasn't been pregnant there. And it hasn't been enough time for if she was pregnant for the baby to have dropped. So I don't think they'll get pregnant right away. I do think they are working on it. 
actively. Actively. Karen and Miles, I'm hoping that they get closer together. I think they just need time and it'll work out. They need to let go and it will work out. Once something bad happens, once Karen experiences a tragedy, God forbid, but as we know, that's what tends to happen in the pandemic, Mm -hmm. she will realize that she has to lean on Miles for support. And when he comes through in a really meaningful way, whether it's she lost her job, a family member, maybe she's losing her way after losing her routine or is grieving her old life, she'll realize that what she truly has is the person next to her and that he's giving so much to support her she will be inspired to do the same to engage in reciprocity realize that it's not just for the tv show it's not just for a couple weeks that he's really there for the long haul and she might actually experience some of the emotions that miles experiences that she's oh i've never i've never dealt with that before well depression can sneak up on you in COVID, not that I wish that on her, but potentially that could be what happens for them, mm-hmm. which could bring them closer together. Who else is left? Amelia and Bennett are going to be playing games and doing <laughs> sketches, and they're not going to notice a thing. Amelia <laughs> probably will have delayed residency relocation, mm-hmm. so that will still need to be something that they talk about, but she or may start her classes online. It might be, um, they might be sped up, because remember, um, during the quarantine, they were needing more and more doctors, so she might be fast-tracked. That's right. That's another interesting angle, and we'll have to see Bennett really step into that primary Mm-hmm. caregiver homemaker role which would be interesting to see IRL I don't know if we've seen much of that so far Mm-mm. I think they've very much so worked side by side in that aspect so but I mean Amelia has said that that is the role that she will expect him to play in their relationship so they, once again might be fast-tracked did you say anything about Brett and Olivia <sighs> Did I? I want them out of their contracts. (laughs) Brett and Olivia are going to struggle. I think Olivia is going to be called to action with the pandemic, and he will not be supportive. He's still going to ask her to cook when she gets home. He's still going to ask her to clean when she gets home. Um, I don't remember what his job is. I I think he makes sixty thousand a year, but I don't remember doing what. He's a systems administrator. Hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so he's gonna be working remotely mm-hmm. he'll probably be like can you not make all that noise when you come in it's like dude I just saved lives all night long all night long all night all night what about you um I don't think Brett and Olivia is gonna make it I don't think Henry and Christina is gonna make it I don't think Miles and Karen is gonna make it I think that I honestly think that Amelia and Bennett are going to struggle because I do believe that Amelia has not expressed her expectation of Bennett. And I think that Bennett has been very expressive that she remain an equal um, contributor. And so I think that might pose challenges for them. Uh, And Imani and Woody are the most wild card of all because I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be just 
uh, perfect, happy as they have been so far? I tend to think not. Um, I think they're going to struggle a little bit, but I don't think it's going to be something that they can't get past. I do think they're going to struggle, though. Well, there you have it. Mm -hmm. We will see what happens. Is there anything that you, outside of what their relationship outcomes are, is there any activity you'd like to see from there? Is there any test that you'd like to see from them or something that you've seen in past seasons that you hope comes back? I would love to see them. Uh, most of the activities that they've done as a large group has been like dinners and things. I would love to see them um, do something fun, like maybe like the race car driving that they did in the North Carolina season or something like that. Um, but I don't think that it will happen since we're heading into quarantine. I think that they'll be pretty far apart from here on out. And I'm will be interested to see how they're able to support each other from a distance or not again. How did we sign off last time? I sang a song, a beautiful song. Oh, yes, yes, yes. How does that go again? I couldn't tell you, but it was a song. Oh, you said da 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 Yeah. I was like, take us out, da 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 Why did I just start singing the Sweet Life theme song? What is it? All or nothing. Yep. It's all or nothing. That's absolutely right. Great. Well, we are four weeks, I believe, from Decision Day. Can't wait to figure out what they do. Can't wait to see what challenges they encounter on the way there. Do you think there's going to be any surprises along the way? Because it seems pretty straightforward. I feel like every week we've thought the same thing about the couples and where they're headed. While our opinions differ, our theories have remained consistent. The only thing that I could see, if, if it happens, I do believe I'd shed a tear. What if uh, Monty and Woody really don't Stop. do Stop. Well? Don't even say it. Please don't say it. Please don't say that's it. What I, that's the only thing. If that happened, you could knock me over with a feather, truthfully. That would shake me to my core. <sighs> but yes, we'll see what happens. We look forward to it. Oh, girl, you know where you can find me, at Selena and Balin on all of the socials. Faluke has lost it. Wow. <laughs> yes. You know where you can find me, at? <laughs> well, you can find me at Faluke Fiasco on all platforms, including Venmo. Feel free to drop me a line Ooh, or send me a tip. All right. Thanks for listening, y'all. And we can't wait to chat with you next week. I'm very excited. Are you? I'm quite excited, yes. Quite. Quite. <laughs>